Isaiah 7:14 says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Well, before Tom and I moved to Iowa City, Tom was, uh, for Tom to, uh, Tom was completing his residency. I was busy making babies, and we had no idea, really, that one day we would plant a church, that the church would grow, and that we would absolutely fall in love with it. We had no idea how much the church would shape us as well as us shaping the church. We didn't know that this church would continue to evolve over decades, being touched, uh, led, and filled by the Holy Spirit. We didn't know about all the people who we would meet who would devote years of their life to this community. We didn't know that there was this thing out there that would happen, that we would be so grateful that it would be hard for us to get off our knees. But one day, it was like we were pregnant. We found ourselves with seeds of a vision stirring inside us. We had glimpses of hopes and dreams, wondering what a different kind of faith community in Johnson County might look like. And those dreams took on a life of their own. They grew, and with them, an inexplicable energy within us around us that compelled us forward. And there was no better way to say it than we were pregnant with a real life force inspired by and born out of the Holy Spirit that has been one of the greatest gifts in our lives. Romans 8 says, all creation waits for the children of God to be revealed for what's true, to come to light, for what is in us, for what is in you and me, to be seen. Well, last week, Tom talked about what it meant that Mary was pregnant with the Son of God, come to earth, vulnerable, dependent infant, replete with baby Catherine as an object lesson. And this morning, I'm asking the question, what are you giving birth to in this season? What am I giving birth to? What is God stirring in us? And to help us understand, we'll read the story of Mary as told by Luke. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I have to apologize. I got a new pair of glasses this week. They're blended, and this is the first time I'm doing this particular angle. It's not perfect. <laughs> I just have to say, it's not perfect. I'll adjust. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, 
Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God has been mindful of the humble state of God's servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is God's name. God's mercy extends to those who fear God from generation to generation. God has performed mighty deeds with God's arm. God has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. God has brought down rulers from their thrones but has filled up the humble. God has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. God has helped God's servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as God promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So God sends Gabriel to Mary to let Mary know of God's plan for human salvation. And Mary asks how, right? And Gabriel gives some explanation, not a lot of explanation. And then he adds, and your cousin Elizabeth, by the way, is pregnant. And Mary essentially says, yes and amen, may it be done, 
according to God's will. But the truth is, Mary has to be completely overwhelmed. A single woman who's pregnant in the ancient world would have been a stonable offense. And Mary did what many of us would have done at that moment. She makes the not-so-easy trek to the one person in the world who would best understand what's happening to her, her beyond childbearing age, but pregnant cousin. And when Elizabeth encounters Jesus, in Mary, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. I come from a charismatic church background, and what that means is that we believe in the ongoing, current, today activity of the Holy Spirit. And during Tom and my many years in the Vineyard Movement, which was known for often saying, come Holy Spirit, someone would be standing up here just like I am, in a dial-down Vineyard way, have people in the room stand up and say, come Holy Spirit, and watch to see expectantly what God might do throughout the room. And sometimes during a, a prayer experience, someone would say, I feel the Holy, or I, Holy Spirit or I sense the presence of God with me. And I don't know how to describe the sweetness of that moment when we sense God's presence, though I know that many of you have experienced that moment of God's nearness to you. At Pentecost, Luke describes the experience this way. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. This is what I imagine that Elizabeth is feeling in energy and aliveness, a rushing wind that fills her, and she exclaims. And in her closeness to God, her being filled with God's spirit, she understands who it is at that moment that she's beholding. And with this bold authority, she blesses Mary. And it seems like Mary's faith, Mary's, uh, Elizabeth's faith and Elizabeth's words stir Mary and they awaken and provoke something in Mary. And suddenly Mary is speaking in words that are considered to be revolutionary, so much so that at least three countries in the last century um, have banned the public recitation of Mary's Magnificat. During British rule in India, the Magnificat was prohibited from being sung in church. In the 1980s, Guatemalan government discovered Mary's words um, about God's preferential love for the poor and considered that to be too revolutionary, too dangerous. Mary, to be clear, is pregnant with the Son of God, but she is pregnant with a prophetic understanding of God's heart for humankind. And her words are not benign. God has performed mighty deeds with God's arm. God has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. God has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. God has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. These words are in Mary and they need to come out. This is who God is. God brings down proud leaders. God lifts up the humble, Mary says. God who loves the poor. This is a God who cares about those with food insecurity and sends the rich away empty. 
a foreshadowing of the rich young ruler. So a few observations from our story. Number one, God through Gabriel puts a vision in Mary. Before Tom and I ever planted this church, we had seeds, we had the slightest inkling, a, a prophetic sense of what we believed that God might be inviting us into. Each of Gabriel's sentences to Mary could have been fleshed out tomes, but they were just seeds, just enough to stir her imagination, to get her thinking, to get her wondering, to get her considering what might this thing be that God is doing in my life, through me, what's happening? Number two, Mary is confused initially. Of course she's confused. And she asks, how can this be? Like, what do you mean? Everything about this is ridiculous at best. The first hint that God was inviting Tom and me to plant this church came on the morning that we were moving from Chicago uh, to Iowa City. And to be clear, we were not moving to plant a church. We were moving for Tom um, uh, who had a fellowship at the hospital. At that time, I had four small children and I was pregnant with a fifth. I hadn't had a good night's sleep or a coherent thought in years. <laughs> our loading truck was, lo I mean, our moving truck was loaded in front of our house and we were about to leave, me in a car with the kids, Tom in the truck with, I guess, one of the kids, and uh, my phone rings and a woman says, Edie, I don't know if we've met, but I go to the Evanston Vineyard, which is where Tom and I had attended for the last 18 years. Um, and I was praying this morning, and God told me to tell you something. And I'm thinking, can you just tell me really quickly, because we've got this moving truck, and we've got to get to, I'm spiritual, but not that spiritual. And, um, and she says, Edie, um, God told me to tell you that he's inviting you and Tom to plant a church when you get to Iowa City. That's what I said. So there was silence, and, uh, and uh, she said, okay, I got to go. And that was our visit from the angel Gabriel. And I just have to say that Mary had a much better response than I did. Mine was more like Sarah's laughing at the angel. Mine was more like, oh, how sweet that you think you hear from God. Mine was like, you've got to be kidding. I can't keep track of these four kids. And you think that we're going to plant a church. Initial confusion. Number three, God tells Mary about Elizabeth. And there's so much we could talk about because I love the relationship between Elizabeth and Mary so much. But at the very least, God is saying, Mary, I know how overwhelming this has to be, like how intense, how big, how beyond you. You're not alone. You don't have to carry this weight alone. And your cousin Elizabeth is with child. Number four, Mary says yes to God with little understanding and lots of unknown. She has a little bit, an inkling of what God is doing, right? The tiniest speck of what God's doing in this sea 
of unknown. And finally, being filled with the Holy Spirit for Elizabeth and Mary results in words. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and then she blesses Mary. She's, she's bold and she has prophetic insight. And Mary uh, has, we have Mary's Magnificat. So what does this story of pregnancy and being filled with the Spirit um, invite us to consider about our own lives this morning? Number one, Mary's story invites us to ask, what might God be birthing in you in this season? In a very literal sense, Mary was pregnant with Jesus and Elizabeth was pregnant with John. But they were pregnant, it seems, with cosmic understanding of not only who their children were, but the revolutionary nature of a God who cares for the poor and uproots the haughty. In a book called The Dance of the Dissident Daughter by Sue Mung Kidd, who some of you might be familiar with, who wrote the uh, Secret Life of Beasts. Thank you. <laughs> um, she has a dream in The Dance of the Dissident Daughter. It's her memoir. And at the time that she has this dream, she's a sought-after uh, retreat speaker. Her husband was a Baptist uh, pastor, a chaplain at that time. Um, but she was also in a phase of deconstructing and reconstructing her own understanding of the faith that she had taken for granted and was good at doing, but was suddenly asking questions like some of us have asked over the years and trying to make meaning and go deeper with her faith. This is how she describes her dream. While sitting on the sand, at the edge of the ocean, I am amazed to see I am nine months pregnant and starting to labor. I look around for help, but I'm on an island by myself. Well, I think I'll just have to deliver the baby myself. I want to put in parentheses, like it's so easy. <laughs> as, the labor, as, she be, as the labor begins, I rub my abdomen and breathe deeply. I scoop up the water as the waves flow ashore and bathe my abdomen and face. The pain comes and goes. Sometimes I cry and I feel faint, but then the pain subsides. Finally, I start to push. I give birth to a healthy baby girl. I hold her up, laughing with joy. I bring her close. I look into her eyes and I'm shocked to see I have given birth to myself. I am both the baby and the mother. So whatever we believe about the source of kids' dream, it's clear that the author is recognizing an invitation to rebirth in her life, that there is something deeper, something other, something more that God is compelling her to. And Kid takes this as an invitation to deepen her own exploration of God and her place in the world. Reiner Rilke, the poet, puts it this way says, let your judgments follow their quiet, undisturbed evolution, which, like all progress, must come from deep within and cannot be hurried or pressured in any way. It's all about carrying to term and giving birth to let every impression and every seed of a feeling realize on its own in the dark in the unconveyable, the unconscious, beyond the reach of your understanding, and to await with deep humility and patience the hour 
when a new clarity is born. Mary's story invites us to ask, what seeds is God planting in us this season? Number two, Elizabeth served as a midwife to Mary's process. So not literally, but she enabled, she helped carry, she paved the way for Mary. Who are the Elizabeths in your life? Who might be helping carry the load of the dreams that you are nurturing in this season? Who believes in your dreams as much as you do? And when you can't believe for another moment, they hold on. The paralytic lost the ability to hope for life and mobility and options and love and God. It was the men who carried him up that house and let him down, albeit messily, through the roof to Jesus' feet. These midwives enabled a dream that had long since been given up on. And where do you find yourself being Elizabeth for someone in your life? Whose baby are you helping to carry, protect, nurture? Whose dreams matter to you as much as your own? Whose baby do you spend time praying for, aching for, as we wait this Advent season for the birth of Jesus? Number three, sometimes what is being birthed in us has silently percolated over time and at the right moment spills out. We have a friend who's attended a sanctuary for five years, several years ago, and I will just call her Jill. Our friend lives in a part of the country where the cost of living is so high that uh, buying a house is almost impossible. My friend and her husband, they have three kids, and they rent a small space, even though both of them earn a pretty good living. They put their hope in some stock that would vest and bring them enough money for a good down payment. Earlier this year, my friend's younger sister, who is in her early, mid-30s, was diagnosed with a quite aggressive form of cancer. She's found some treatments that have been quite helpful. And all things considered, she's doing quite well. But it's very expensive, and it's drained um, her and her husband's um, accounts. Jill, my friend, and her husband were able to sell their stock this year. And they got a lot of money that would allow them their dream. And as they began talking to real estate agents and talking to the banks and talking to mortgage people, something began stirring inside them. They describe it as a feeling that they were familiar with. They say it was born out of years of choosing Jesus and understanding Mary's magnif Magnificat as radical invitation. My friend, and this is a new story, she just told me this a couple weeks ago, she said, at some moment, for both of them, something erupted, something within them, connecting with the Holy Spirit. They both looked at each other, and they both knew. It was my friend who said the words, 
out loud. She said, we will give all our money to my sister and her husband and their family, right? And her husband nodded. I said, how does that feel? She said, well, we ask again and again, was it wise? And they said, we don't know the answer. We know it was good. When Jill and her husband told her sister their plan to give their tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars, um, the Christmas miracle that Gabriel foretold was born in their home. And finally, number four, um, Mary said yes. Mary was confused about a lot, but she was convinced that this was an invitation from God. And that alone gave her the strength to say yes. She didn't know what she was saying yes to. She did know that the risk was crazy enormous, that her life would never, ever, 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 ever again be the same. She said yes to all it means to be single, young woman, betrothed, and pregnant. Yes to what it means to put everything in her life at risk. Yes to uncertainty. Yes to being misunderstood. Yes to all the unknown that she faced. I'll close with this. This is a quote from Jackie Marquardt, who's a member of our church but serving in the kids' wing this morning. She says this. She said, God planted the seed in my heart to use my gifts through serving with immigrants and refugees about 10 years ago now. Through our church in North Carolina, our family began hosting children from Afghanistan over the summers while they received their free medical care. When we moved to Iowa City, I prayed for a similar connection. So when Sanctuary approached Doug and I about working with refugee families through I See Compassion, my first reaction was to laugh, thinking, of course, God, you did this, and then to say, amen. Walking alongside one immigrant family from the Dominican Republic of Congo has been a huge learning experience for us and provided rewards and joy I hadn't expected. Over the next couple years, I have piece by piece become more involved with IC Compassion, first by joining their board of directors, then by assisting with some marketing and fundraising, and soon to, be, uh, soon to join as part-time staff member, financially supported by Sanctuary, to help advance their mission. I continue to be amazed at the work God is doing in my life, planting these little seeds and nudging me in God's direction. Seeds planted in North Carolina, then nurtured by answering my small prayer, how wondrous it is to share God's love and receive joy by sharing my gifts wisely and generously. She closes with this, I believe we build peace by breaking down barriers, by sharing God's love, by listening to God's whisper, by nurturing the seeds God plants in our hearts. God stirs us to dream bigger, to be bolder, to venture on wilder seas. We're going to just take literally a 30-second um, reflection time. You're going to ask two things. I'm going to say come the Holy Spirit because it's my roots, but you guys can stay sitting down. Um, 
You're going to take 30 seconds, and you're just asking, what is God stirring in me? Maybe you've been thinking about this. You're going to ask, who am I Elizabeth to? Who's Elizabeth to me in my life? So just take a moment. Holy Spirit, we love you so much. We gladly welcome your presence here. Stir in our hearts. Awaken us to what you're doing in us this morning, oh God. Amen. Amen. At this time, we'll transition to worship along with communion and prayer. The worship band can come forward. Why don't we stand?